everyone. I'm joined by Zainab. Hi. Alana. Hey. And Simi. Hi. So welcome to the podcast. Um, Simi, we've had you on before, so um, Zainab, so <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you yeah, sure. Yeah, um, so my name is Zainab Alima. Um, I'm a neonatal nurse by profession and a rugby player by passion. Um, I've been playing rugby now for the past 10 or so years. Um, and I'm a mother of three, I'm married and... Yes, I think that's me in a nutshell. Um, I started playing rugby mm-hmm. in high school. I got in for my PE teacher, basically. Uh, said to me, oh, we had a PE session and she was like, oh, you, you seem really good. Do you want to take up rugby as a sport? And I was like, no, like, what's that? And I, I said, Why would I want to do that? Um, I didn't actually know women even play rugby at that time. Um, but come two years later, had another opportunity to play rugby which was at a level i was doing physical education as a a one of my a levels and i needed to do a practical component to that and she said again you know why don't you try new rugby i was like you know what i'll give it a shot um and yeah i've never looked back since i've been playing since i was about uh 17 years old nice thank you alana tell us about yourself um, hey, I'm Alana Seely Grant. Um, so I'm a sports therapist. Um, I just finished my master's last year. Um, I'm actually going back to uni next month to study physiotherapy. Um, so then I'll be a physio as well, which is cool. Um, I started playing rugby when I was six. Um, so I've got an older brother and my dad used to take him up. So when I was young, I used to go up and run along the sidelines. Um, and then, yeah, they started up uh, a team for my age group. So at the time, it was just boys for my year at school. Um, so all the way through from under six to under 12, I played with the boys. Um, I was the only girl. And then I had to join a ladies team. So then I went to St. Mary's for a season. I went to Thornbury for a season. I went to Chip and Sobbury. And that's kind of where my home has been ever since, really. I basically, I tore my ACL in 2017, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realise at the time um, how bad the injury was. So I played on it for a season, uh, really messed up my knee. Um, and then, yeah, my last game was varsity. I think it was May or April 2018. And then I had surgery in November 2018. And my knee is still a mess. So I can't really run right now. Um, I'm trying trying to keep myself fit. But, the, you know, I'd love to go back to rugby. And I'm clutching onto straws at the moment, I think with whether I can actually go back or not but I'm waiting to have a second surgery and then we'll see what happens after that are you still like engaged in like a lot of rugby things and like are you still going to watch matches and like you yeah. still feel like it's part of your life yeah so uh, it's difficult because before I had my surgery I could still play full contact rugby so you know I thought I'll have my surgery I'll be good to go like I was playing you know I was doing all right as a player and like, I was I wanted to trial for Bristol because a couple of my friends play there and Simi you play there um but yeah it's just been tough rehab has been really tough it's just not gone the way that I wanted it to go it's not gone the way that I thought it was going to go but yeah I'm still going up to training um I still I try and take part um obviously with social distancing at the moment it's just been a lot of um fitness and hit stuff um and small groups so I've been doing some of that, but now we're back to touch. So I've just been going up and watching, really. Just, But I've been, you know, I go up and watch the girls every Sunday anyway when they're playing. Mm. So try and keep my face, keep your face around the club. 
to all of you. I feel like I already know Simi's answer. Give me your sporting inspirations, um, <laughs> or otherwise. I'm gonna say Maggie Alfonte, mm. just because um, she's sort of someone that I looked up to when I started playing rugby, especially not seeing any representation down at grassroots level, I was always the only black girl on the pitch. And looking at elite, she was the only one black woman playing at elite level. So I really looked up to her growing up. And to, to know where she started and where she is now, her story just inspires me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have a chat every now and again, like I message her and stuff like that. And, and I just feel like she just inspires me. And not just from a rugby perspective, like at the moment she's um, expecting her first child, which I think is amazing. And I said to her, listen, if you ever want me to come and help you choose a baby grow, I'm like there. And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but I just think like just knowing her story and how, how she's sort of progressed and what she's doing now really inspires me. As if you just have like random chats with Maggie or from, yeah, just, you know, casually, <laughs> once in a while me and Mags are on the phone together. That's insane. Not really, more like social media rather than phone. Uh, but she's really down to earth and really nice. And I feel and that's a lot of rugby players, you sort of can have this um, connection with them, even though they're like elite players. I feel like you can still have a certain degree of relationship with them. I mean, someone like Simi, I mean, to be fair, as a premiership player, you can't really, I think in football, it's probably harder for someone to, to converse with someone at premiership level. But I mean, we can, we've got a whole Simi on the podcast, like, hello. <laughs> I can't believe you said my name in the same sort of breath as Maggie Alfonsi, relax. <laughs> Why what not? are you doing? Why not? <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Chill. Yeah, I just think the ex- like the accessibility for to players and just how down to earth rugby players are in general. Uh, I just think it's nice. Alana, who's your sporting inspiration? Um, I was gonna say the same. The second that you asked who it was, I was thinking Maggie Alfonso. Again, same situation really. Like she was the only you know black rugby player that I knew of. Um. She's one heck of a player, first of all. Like, I always just looked up to her, like, I want to be like her. I want to run through people like she does. I want to tackle people like she does. Um, but, yeah, like, I did a couple of, like, TDG camps and stuff when I was a bit younger, and she came along and did some coaching with us. So I think ever since then, like, when, you know, when I came across who she was and then I saw her playing rugby for England, and then I had the opportunity to be coached by her as well, and I was just like, this woman is incredible. I just I want to be like her. She's strong. <laughs> so strong yeah without trying to sound really cringy I think my if I'm gonna pick a rugby player who inspired me it would probably be Shauna Brown and I don't even think she knows this but I'm gonna say it now anyway (laughs) because so we both used to throw and we both did track and field and when I had stopped doing track and field and I was looking for a sport to go into um I, I think it was around the time that she got like her first cap for England and I was like, Shauna plays rugby. Shauna's playing rugby for England. How did we get here? What on earth is going on? And I was like, but how's that possible? Because I was like, oh, we're throwers. We don't run. Like, what? And so then when I like paid more attention and started watching women's rugby more and seeing like how good she was, I was like, oh, bro, she did it. Like she's gone from being a thrower to a rugby player. Maybe I should try and do the same. Here we find ourselves. Now look at where you are. <laughs> exactly. So shout out Shauna Brown. So we're here to talk about femininity and body image and being a female rugby player. So 
um, the past couple of weeks, news-wise, have been a bit of a shit show, for want of a better word. <laughs> and one of the main things, one big thing that's kind of stood out in the rugby world um, has been the Island new kit release and um, the promotion shots with made by the Island team and Canterbury that featured male rugby players, actual rugby players, people on their team, and female models to model the women's portion of the kit. How did you guys feel when you saw the promo shots, Alana? I was like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this? Who are these people? <laughs> there are so many great female athletes out there, so many great female rugby players. Like, why would you, you know, if you've got the time to take photos of the men in their kit, where's your time for the women? Like, I just, I just didn't get it. Like, oh, let's just use these models because, you know, social distancing, okay, but you've had time to get the men's pictures. I just didn't get it. And I was like, these women are clearly not athletes, you know, they just stop images of people from the internet. Mm. Like, that's not, that doesn't represent rugby. It doesn't represent anybody that plays. It doesn't even represent the people that watch it, probably. Like, I was just like, this is just outrageous. Really pissed me off. So when I first saw it, it was on Instagram and um, by the perception agency, and there was a post that says, spot the difference. And I was looking, and I was thinking, okay, I love playing Spot the Difference. So I was really, you know, I was really, you know, engaged in the post. So I'm looking there, looking at both of the pictures, Spot the Difference. I'm thinking, I'm not seeing anything. Like, am I missing something here? Then I read the caption. I was like, oh, this is crazy. Because when I first saw it, I was thinking, okay, this, this is just something from a the catalogue. They want. I didn't really grasp, grasp the whole post until I started reading the caption. I was like, shit, like what? And it's just crazy because we always say women's rugby has come a long way. Women's rugby has done, you know, is, is making progress. And then to have something like that, it's like a kick in the teeth for women's rugby. Done, you could have got so many amazing um, role models that could have the kit. It could have been such a massive push forward for the women's game but yet again you've just sort of made a blow basically and it was just some absolute blunder and but what I do like from this is that the amount of togetherness the solidarity that people have shown like especially the women uh, within women's rugby I just feel like we've come together so quickly as well like within a couple of hours everybody was you know posting and sharing um, and I saw actually on Twitter that you know how you have like trend and post, literally um, enough, hashtag enough was like one of the most trending um, hashtags on Twitter. And I was like, wow, like we did this, like women's rugby, literally <laughs> everyone stood up and we're like, yeah, you know, this is not on. So I think from that, it was a positive, but the whole thing was absolute blunder, if I'm honest, to begin the, the whole, you know, but they did own up to their mistakes, which is, which is great. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this is a start of better changes hopefully I don't know I don't know if I'm just being a bit optimistic but I hope hopefully this is like proper change for me it was like it was a real slap in the face mm -hmm. it was just you've taken the time and the energy to photograph the male players a, a variety of positions there was forwards there was back and they're in full kit and with like a good background and it looked really professional but for the female kit it's just Here's three random models, no one knows their name, not related to the sport in any way, shape or form. Put the top on them, put them in some jeans, white background, done. And that's supposed to be good enough and we're supposed to be happy with that. And that's, that's where our young generation are supposed to look. Like, how does that make, how would that, how would that make you feel if you are an Irish 
you know, Prem player or an Irish international player, like what a slap in the face. Like literally, you, like, like, you just literally should slap us in the face. It'd be more subtle. Like, <laughs> what, like what, what's the, what is wrong with choosing female players? Like, I just don't understand the thought process behind it. And I think that's what made me more upset and more angry about it because you would never, ever, ever pick up Joe Bloggs from the pub, put him in some jeans and put an Irish rugby shirt on him and use that as the promo for the men's Irish kit. You would never do that. So why in God's name is it acceptable to do that, but for the women? So that's what really annoyed me about the post. But then the male justification from some bigoted men just, I just I almost felt like despair. It was a mixture of like rage, despair. I cannot believe that this is how people think in 2020. Is this real? What the hell is happening? It was just such, it felt like such a whirlwind to me. I went from being like disbelief, baffled, angry, really deflated, really upset to then actually, no, we need to do something about this. Like, this is not okay. This is not going to run. And like Zainab said, fair play to Canterbury. They owned up and they released the statement, which I hope they mean. And I, for one, I'm not going to forget it because if they don't do what they say in the future, then we have, we have grounds to sort of pull them up and say, actually, you're not really an advocate for women's sport because you haven't stuck to the promises that you've said that you're going to do. And I DM'd them after, um, after they released that statement as well and sort of said to them as well, like, thank you for owning up. Thank you for realizing the errors you've made but in future make sure that actually you use female rugby players and you use a diverse range of female rugby players because with all due respect seeing tall slender backs modeling your kit the conventional quote-unquote pretty women is a step forward but also you're then you know not giving a true representation of the people you see on a rugby pitch the joy of rugby is it's you, it's inclusive, it's diverse. There's a different range of people, players, shapes, sizes, skill sets, body types, the whole works. And that should be reflected. Mm. I don't want there to be a situation where they're choosing the quote unquote pretty looking girls to model the kit, but say, oh, but we chose rugby players, so why are you upset? So mm. I made my thoughts very, very clear to them. And I hope that they actually do what they say they're gonna do. That's why I found their statement very interesting. Not even like the statement itself, but the pictures that they used to try and prove a point were just of all slim white women. And I was like, this is also part of the problem as well, in terms of not highlighting the different bodies and the different people that do play rugby and do really well in rugby as well. Um, I could get into a whole thing of like, do you think there's a race problem, well, there is a race problem in rugby. Do you think that there's enough discussion around race and diverse, ethnic diversity in the women's game? Because I did notice in the island shots, they had um, more diverse players. I don't know if that's just their team or just the people that they chose to be the face of the um, shot. But obviously, not only did they use models, they used all white models as well, which is, and I know in Ireland that there are, plenty of brown and black girls who may be interested in rugby and just to have them like like nothing at all for them uh, it kind of blew my mind as well I'm not quite mm. sure what my question is if anyone <laughs> I think there is a race problem there is a clear disparity in representation of races in rugby especially female rugby because there are so few black women brown women 
Muslim women who openly play the sport. And I think because of that, and because there are so few playing at high level, I guess, so sort of international or prem level, I think that think I think that then companies think that they don't need to include them because it's like, oh, they're not really playing it anyway. When actually, no, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. And to encourage there to be more people from more backgrounds playing the sport, they need to feel like this is a sport for them. And how do you do that? By showing them, hey, look, here's someone who looks like you who's playing this sport. This sport is for you. Because otherwise, how are they going to know? If you don't, I guess, broadcast the diversity that there is. I mean, I mean, oh, there is diversity in the sport, but just not as much as we want there to be. I agree with what you're saying. Like, if you're if you're not showing it at the top level, because obviously grassroots stuff is not on TV, and you know you might not know about your local grassroots club, but if you're able to see it on an international stage, you might think, you know, it might just trigger something like you. You might not have thought about rugby before because you've not seen it, but then once you've seen it on the big screen, you're like, oh, actually, maybe I could do this. You know, maybe there are clubs out there, you know, local to me or other girls out there like me that want to try it, but we don't know how to start or where to start. And I guess from there, it just needs to filter down then through grassroots of how can we, you know, how can we make people want to start rugby maybe in, I don't know, different areas, you know, because I suppose rugby predominantly is like a private school sport, isn't it? Um, Particularly for the men. I'm not, I don't really know too much in terms of like for the women um but for men definitely it's a private school sport and how do we get it from the big screen all the way down through the grassroots level like how do we advertise ourselves and just make ourselves more known you know say there are opportunities for you outside of whatever else it is that you're doing you know rugby is such an inclusive sport like come and give it a go sort of thing and i don't want to i don't i don't want to bring everything back to serena williams but look at the impact that her and venus had in tennis Tennis, and, and ti- look at Tiger Woods for golf as well. They, those sports are predominantly white people's sports. Then they came along, and now look at, if you look at, I guess, the tennis players of this generation or the, rug- or the golfers of this generation, it takes time, but all it takes is someone doing it who looks like you, and suddenly the floodgates are opening. Like, my mum literally said that the reason she started us having tennis lessons was because she was watching Wimbledon one day and saw Venus and Serena and said, oh my God, maybe my children could do that. Same with Tiger Woods, same with like, you know, there are young players now like Coco Goff, um, Taylor Townsend, all these young black women who have been so heavily inspired by what they've seen before. And it's, it's the same thing that happens, you know, with most things. Like I reckon for rugby as well, Japan, they're going to have such a good team in the next few years because of the World Cup, because of what they've shown their country that they can do. Everything is based around representation and actually displaying to people, you know, and inspiring them in essence. So then how can you justify not putting, you know, hijab players in the front line or not putting black women or not putting brown women and sort of promoting them and using them to help promote your sport? It doesn't make sense to me. Thank you, lads, for bringing this topic, yeah. So, like Simi said, representation is key. Representation is the big thing. Like, going back to what I was telling you about Maggie Afonzi, there was a point where I wanted to, like, stop rugby, and I was thinking it wasn't the sport for me, simply because I didn't see anyone that looked like me. I didn't see people that was representing me at grassroots level. But I was always looking to her at elite level. She was doing her thing, she was smashing it, and I thought, do you know what, if 
Maggie is doing at elite level, why can't I do it at grassroots level? Why can't I play rugby? She's she's gone all the way to the top. So yeah, going back again. So representation is a massive thing. And then you have to think about, okay, fine, there's not many black women, Muslim women, hijabi women playing rugby at elite level, but then you have to break it down and think about what can you do to get them playing. There's when you think about it, when you go to the place places where you see predominantly black Asian ethnic minority people, how many of them actually have access to rugby? Like Alana was saying, going through um, private school is a lot of um, the main paths to playing rugby because it's so like rugby at private school is a big thing. But when you're going to like the public schools and and stuff you're not seeing them I mean they are trying to introduce it but it's, it's like you have you have to force it it's not something like natural for you to be playing rugby going to public school and also um when you go to these areas you're seeing these you think these little boys they come up from school maybe they're holding a basketball they've got basket basketball courts in their estates they've got um their bags as little goalies to play football have you seen any of them holding a rugby ball have you no, you don't see it because it's like you have to, it's not in that, it's not in that system, you know, and you have to sort of force it because it's not natural. But I guess ident when you identify these little things, that's when you have to put the work in and make sure rugby is accessible for them. I remember um, on um, Instagram, there was this talk, I think it was Shauna Brown, Deborah Fleming, that play sevens, and Maggie Alfonsi, they were having this talk on the RFU um page about i think also around the whole black lives matter thing when it's when it was happening and someone in the comments wrote um if black people want to play rugby they can there's nothing stopping them somebody tagged me in this comment yeah and i was like okay i was like do you know what thank you thank you so i put down my tea i probably i don't know if i was drinking tea or not i put everything down I, was like, yeah, I need to reply to this future and I said the same thing. I just break it down for him, like step by step. Just because you don't think it's a barrier doesn't mean it's just because it's not a barrier for you, or you don't see it's a barrier doesn't mean it's not a barrier for someone else. Just little like these things, like membership. A lot of these clubs, you're paying monthly to to be part of a rugby club. Not every family is going to afford to play membership every month. We may feel like it's a little bit of money for people that are well off, but it's not the same for everybody. And then you have to think about. When I started playing rugby, I was going like late in the night. Not even, it wasn't late, but it's the winter time. It gets dark quick. I used to have to go training by myself. What, 16, 17 year old walking to rugby training by herself. No mum or dad going to drop me to training or bring me back home. I was, I was going to play, coming home. All, the, all my other teammates were going back home in their cars. I would walk in the dark and go to the bus stop. And then if you're not driving, as well as the barrier, you have to, a lot of these rugby clubs, you get off the bus stop and you have to walk like miles before you even get to the actual rugby club these little things are barriers but people don't see it because they feel like it's not but that's why sometimes you just have to see things from different perspectives for you to understand like okay you may not see this a barrier but it actually is and it can actually stop someone from playing the sport so I told him whatever I said I just gave it to him and then he was like you know what? I can see you're really passionate about the sport good luck in what you're trying to do I said yeah thank you and that was it so like it's one of those things is like it's it's just identifying what the barriers are and trying to make them not barriers anymore. I think that's just the essential thing. Um and going back to representation is is so important. Like I said to, like in my even in my link in my bio, I said I want to one day switch on the TV and see England women playing and seeing a Muslim woman representing England, you know, and I want to be alive to see that moment. 
and you know it's, it starts from trying to get Muslim women and ethnic minority women in rugby involved in rugby and hopefully seeing them you know progress through the ranks and hopefully get into elite level but I do feel like it can happen one day I just want to be around to see it and if I can do my bit to try and inspire or encourage um for that dream to actually happen then yeah I'll just do whatever I can to be honest with Hearing what you say about that about comment, though, Zainab, it sounds like he was being so like dismissive mm. of of barriers and genuine barriers that people face, you know, ethnic black people, Muslim people faced in getting into sport, and just sort of saying like, oh, if they want to play, they can yeah. play. It's just so so dismissive. just dismissive Honestly. of everything. And actually, actually, you know, whether we like it or not, especially for young children, there is safety in numbers. You know, if you go somewhere and you're the only person who looks like you, you're already not comfortable. And whether that's, you know, true reflection of where you go or actually you get there and realise that, no, they accept you and everything's fine. But at least initially, that is a barrier. It takes a certain kind of headstrong, defiant person to walk into a club and be like, I'm the only black person here, but I'm not going anywhere. Mm. So now what? Mm. That that's, that takes a certain level of confidence and maturity and a, a certain level of defiance, like I said, to be able to do that. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who probably would play rugby if there was people who looked like them there, and then they're not. And then they're just like, well, this ain't for me. Let me go do track and field where all my man them hang out. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, even now, like, you know, I walk in at Bears and it's just me and Ro. And I, like, I'm fully Nigerian, I'm fully black, Ro's mixed race, like, but it's just us two. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's fine, like, there's no problem with that, but it's just like, there is a, it is notable mm-hmm. that out of this whole squad, staff, players, everyone, it's just us two. You know what but, I used to do, right? When I'm looking for a club to go to, I w- every time I'm looking for a club, I always look at the team and see if there's, even if there's one, even if it's Asian person, is there one Asian person in there? Is there one black person in there? Just so when I come into that team, I'm, I'm not the only one. But I think I got to a point where like, you know what, if I'm not the only one, let me be the, f- let me be the first one there. And maybe I can help yeah. draw many others of ethnic minorities to that club. Because sometimes you have yeah. to be the first one to do something. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, she's doing it. Maybe I can do it too. Obviously, it's always, it's always hard to take the first steps, but if you're the first one there, you open a door for many others. And I think that's, the, that's, that's how it's been for me. I've always been the only black person, if not one of a handful, who, who aren't my family. So I'm very used to that space. Mm-hmm. So now it doesn't, it doesn't like, I, I, it's really sort of a subconscious thing now. I don't consciously realise it a lot. But yeah, you're right, it's, you just have to sort of take the plunge a lot of the time. Um, mm. And unfortunately, not everyone has that confidence or ability or resilience. And luckily, like all these, you know, for me at Bears, it's been nothing but a good experience. Like I've never had any issues about anything. But, you know, for some people, they might try and do that, but actually be facing those kind of racial barriers and racial undertones and the microaggressions or the sexism and stuff like that. Like if they're a girl trying to play with the boys team because they haven't got a ladies team for their age, like stuff like that. There are so many unwritten barriers. So to just be that dismissive and say, oh, if they want to play, they can, is just very toned off. 
And also, just to add, in terms of the barriers thing, I feel like ethnic minorities, we have our own barriers ourselves, not even about racially and, you know, in the wider sense of things, even within our own communities. I'm Black, African, Muslim. Those are like three identities already. And even with, within those, there are barriers. When I told my dad I wanted to play rugby, he was like, rugby? Why do you want to play rugby? Rugby's for men. Rugby's a man's sport. Rugby's elitist. Rugby's that. Rugby's that. And I'm like... For me, for for any other child, that could have been like a no, and that's it. But I was just like, yeah, okay, start. I'm still gonna play. Like I was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm still gonna play. So it's like within our communities, we have our own stereotypes, we have our own barriers that we have to face. So me thinking about, you know, how I was saying, like to, to one day see a Muslim woman playing at elite level. I would actually be so emotional because I would have known that she would have had to overcome so many hurdles, so many like barriers to get to where she is. And yeah, I think that day I'll be like, oh my God, I'll be like, be in tears and be like, oh wow, you did this, this. Like it would be emotional, but um, yeah, I can't wait. Alana, as someone that started playing like from when they were young, have you seen a change in the kind of people around you in terms of like race and you also said that you were the only girl a lot of the time like for a long time growing up whilst you were playing like how did you feel like being a young black girl just like by yourself quite literally yeah um I don't know I guess for me because I've I went to a private school so I never had a lot of brown black anybody you know, Muslims, anything like that. I've never had a lot of that around me because of the school that I went to. So everything that has always surrounded me has been predominantly white. So for me, I don't know, playing with the boys, it was not a case of I'm the only mixed race on here, but it was more of I'm the only girl playing in a boys team. And it was, fu- it was funny because we, whenever we turned up at a game, the first thing you would even hear the parents say, they've got a girl at their, you know, they've got a girl in, her, in their team, go and, you know, run at her, go and tackle her. And I would knock them six feet backwards every time. And the amount, of boy, the amount of boys that I sent off the pitch crying because they were like, target the girl, she's the big link. And they would run at me and they would never do that again. I remember this one time I scored like seven charges and they just couldn't stop me. And I turned up and on the sideline, it was all the parents. Yeah, they've got a girl, this is great for us. We're going to win this game. And they'd run at me, they'd go off the pitch crying to their parents and then they just couldn't stop me. So for me, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's why these men have fragile egos these days. That I is, believe. like, yeah. That's just, why their ego is fragile. Yeah. Honestly, just assume, just assuming that I was going to be the wing clique. And uh, me and my brother are so close. So anything that he's done, I've always wanted to do. And, you know, we've, we'd go out in the garden, we'd run around, we'd play together. So I've always been, I suppose, a bit of a tomboy, really. Like, I just liked being active, you know, whatever he did, I like to do. So I guess in that respect, it's made me how I am now in that. I don't know, just, I never really let the boys phase me because I always knew that I could run them over. But in terms of like, in terms of race, I have seen more now, you know, black girls coming through the ranks. But when I was younger, I, I don't even, obviously they were, you know, on other teams, black boys, mixed race boys, but I was the only girl. Like, like I said, I played with the boys for six, six years and it was very rare that I would come up against another girl. Um, and then when I got into playing girls rugby and under 13s and under 15s, I was always the only one in my team. Um, I think at the start of under 18s, we had another girl join us for like a bit of like summer sevens and stuff. Um, so then there was two of us, but she didn't stick around for too long. 
Um, I don't know if she moved to a different club or she just stopped there. I'm not really sure, to be honest. But for the most part, it's always just been me. And even at Sodbury now, um, there's me and another girl called Terry. Um, she's not been back for a little while. But it's, yeah, it's always just been me, really. Uh, when I was playing at university, I, I went to University of Hertfordshire and um, I write, because I've got a blog as well, if you guys want to check it out, I'll get Anne to like post it and stuff, but um, I have a blog that I write random stuff about like motherhood and, and rugby and stuff and um, there was this one time I was at uni, I went to University of Hertfordshire and uh, there was, I was playing a game and obviously I was the only black girl on my team and there was a black girl in opposition and I was so shocked, like, I think I even forgot what I was doing, because I was just like, what, like, this is crazy, like, and then we got, we were defending, no, we were, um, yeah, we were defending, and the other team was attacking, I think, I think it was like, I think it was off a, off a line out, and we were all marking our players, and someone was like, oh, I've got the one with the ponytail, I've got the one with the red dot, and I was like, I've got the black girl, and everyone just stopped, and the ref, like, stopped, and everyone was just looking at me, like, I'm like, yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, I'm cool. And, you know, she was laughing, the girl was laughing, me and like, we just all laughed about it. Cause I, I was genuinely just amazed. I was like, wow, this is the first ever time that I've seen like a black girl in a position and, you know, we're both playing on the same pitch. It was just like a moment of like, of magic. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. But um, yeah, I think it just goes to show how, underrepresented we are or how how limited we are we're few and far in between really but that was that was how many years ago quite a while ago but now like Alana said there are a lot more like going through the ranks which is nice to see so I think there has been a, a progressed progression yeah with a lot of like ethnic minority joining rugby which is good to see but hopefully we can continue that um, and get more representation across the board especially at elite level um, all the way down the grassroots uh yeah i completely agree because i remember when i joined um when i was looking up like local rugby teams and i found hackney and i found some others as well but um what stood out for me for hackney was um lamise who's also been on the podcast and the fact that she was captain and there's just another like big black girl as captain i was like yeah okay that's a team for me i don't care <laughs> like they could be Can I something and quickly about hackney yeah yeah um so i I played against Hackney a couple of times when I was at East London at Millwall. Really good team. And the first time, yeah, I saw a black number 10. Yeah. First time I saw a black captain. These, and they're both from Hackney. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it was, it was just mind-blowing. I was like, wow, kudos to you guys. Honestly, I thought, let me just get that in there. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah really, it's really yeah. important to see people that look like you in positions that you may deem as, like, being above you, if that makes sense. So, like, it was so good to see a black captain, and it would be amazing to see like more black female prem players and more like playing for the country as well. Um, I know when the Ireland Canterbury promo shots came out and it was online, there was a lot of like horrible response from weird people on Twitter and online, like trying to justify why they used models instead of actual rugby players. And a lot of it had to do with femininity, which I don't know, to this day, I don't really understand what it is, but whatever. What were your thoughts surrounding that and the like feedback that people were kind of give to justify what they had done? If there's any way to get me livid on this planet, <laughs> it's the question of woman and her femininity, because who 
are you? <laughs> okay, so I'll, let me talk through what happened on Twitter in case anyone has missed it. I've got, um, I made a highlight of um, what happened on my Instagram. It's called Girl Power if anyone wants to see all the receipts and see me literally red hot angry. But basically, I was just chilling at work one day and then I got tagged in this Twitter. You know, when someone tags you on Twitter or something, you don't even understand what's being said. So I was like, what's going on here? By Akina from Worcester. And basically, one dickhead of a man was sort of saying like, oh, women playing rugby, you're just doing it for play, play, banter. When you get a man, when you get a job, you'll forget about it because, you know, it's not really, you know, that serious for you. The reason they use male players is because they spend all their time in the gym to look a certain way, whereas women idolise Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion. I was like, which women? But anyway, fine. So he was like, yeah, when you get a real job and this, you won't care about rugby. So Akina then tagged me and some other doctors and some like people in you know, um, public service, so firefighters, etc., saying, okay, since you're a doctor, have you forgotten about rugby? And I was like, oh... I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about myself real quick. <laughs> so obviously then I was like, no, I haven't. Not only have I been a doctor during the pandemic, I'm also now a regular starter for Bristol Bears Women. Never been stronger, never been faster, playing the best rugby of my life. So whatever you're saying is trash. Stop it. Kind of thing. Thinking that would be that. But no, he came with his old back and forth. And I was like, you think I don't have time for you today? Big boy, you came to play. I came to play as well. Let's go. So I was dropping receipts, dropped the graduation picks. Yes, I said picks because there are two of them. I dropped the qualifications. I dropped the letters, the initials. I was ready to drop my GCSE results, my A-levels, and he picked the wrong day because I had so much time. I was ready to finish it. But anyway, I kept it classy. It was okay. But I was so angry because I was like, I can't believe in this day and age, men can still think that A, women for some reason are incapable of combining sports with anything and even if they are it's because they don't have a worthwhile full-time job what and then b the fact that because we do sports we're somehow less of a woman why why is that still a point of thinking and i get so mad when people question women's femininity because my femininity is different to your femininity is different to zainab it's different to alana's femininity like how we define ourselves as women and how we see ourselves is defined by ourselves. I define what's feminine to me. My feminine is me in the gym, me doing my nails, me doing some makeup, me dressing myself up. Like that's how I, that's what I do. That's how I like to express myself as a woman. But that might not be what, you know, this person over here does. That might not be what this person over here does, but that doesn't mean that any of us are any less female. It's not for you to decide. It's not for you to put your two cents into. Mind your business. The message here, men, is mind your business, face your front, read your books, talk to God. Like, it's not your business. Stay out of women's business. My femininity is not your concern. It's not your problem. Face your front. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. <laughs> you can't be a sportswoman and still be sexy. That mm. is the whole point. That is literally what he was saying. You, you, you have to be one of the other. No, I'm, I'm definitely both. Because I woke up this morning looking fly AF. And I'm still sexy and I'm still outlifting these men in the gym. So now what? We are you going to now? <laughs> going through the I am enough hashtag made me realise mm. that women deserve all the accolades in the world. We're, act, like, we're all superstars. Women in sport, undefeatable. The number of things that women are juggling 
between children, between jobs, between you're working a full-time job and you're still training six times a week. You're taking yourself this, you're funding that, you're doing this. And on top of all that, we still have to defend and justify ourselves to narrow-minded individuals who can't seem to see past the fact that women are not dependent on men. We're completely self-sufficient. We're driven. Our goals and our aspirations are just as valid as any male players. And just because the sport is not up to the standard that we are, in my mind, I'm a professional athlete until, but I'm not getting paid to be that. But the way I conduct myself, the way that my work rate, my goals and how driven I am. Like, you can't tell me that I don't, that I'm not as ambitious as these male players. Do I work as hard? Probably not because I physically can't because I work up to 48 hours a week. So that's the part that is still, you know, needs changing. But just because we're not professional players doesn't mean that this is just play play, like this is just bounce. Mm. Like, why would we do this? Why, like, th- like, actually think about the amount of things that women in sport are juggling. Uh, Alana, I think you should give someone <laughs> your massage. <laughs> Please, come. I'll cheat you. <laughs> I feel like you need it. <laughs> <sighs> That's so true. Damn. I feel like men just can't wrap their head up. Like, we are superior, I'm saying, and put out that women are superior by a billion times. Like, men can never live up to what women do. Like you said, Simi, you've got to juggle a full-time job being a doctor and then you've got to go training six days a week and then you've got to go to the gym and then you've got to cook yourself food to stay in line with your training plan like men could never do that you know men rock up to their training they've got a nutritionist they've got their strength and conditioning coaches writing everything down for them on paper because they can't do it themselves you know like all they have to do is get out of bed in the morning and maybe wash maybe not I don't know some people are dirty out there but (laughs) like they just they just have it so easy and like like, I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into. An, I hate men. <laughs> we don't hate men, hate but they just annoy us sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it's so hard that because some, I guess, oh, I, it's hard because I I think the men in our equivalent positions. So let's say the Premiership players or whatever, um, they've probably been paid to play rugby since maybe late teens, so they've never had to. But they're not necessarily the people that we get the stick from. They're not the ones who question women and their capabilities in sports. It's those Twitter nuisance men who kind of look in and go, oh, I could have been a professional rugby player. Oh, I don't know what these women think they're doing. It's, it's them. And I don't understand why they think they can chime in with their 23p. They're just bitter. Talking about, honestly, talking about that they could do this, that and the third. But why didn't you, big man? <laughs> Is that dodgy near the ad seven years ago? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But yeah, it's just usually a lot of the time, like, so I, after the whole Twitter thing, I had like so many people, you know, message me like support and like, I felt, I felt a lot of love actually. I, I didn't realise it was going to not go viral, but like, I didn't realise it was going to get as much attention as it ended up getting. Um, and everyone was sort of saying, like, oh, just ignore them. You know, he's useless. Like, you know what you're doing. Face your front and all that. Blah, blah, blah. And that's true. And ordinarily, I wouldn't give that kind of person the time of day. But it just, I think initially, it was just such a sense of despair that we're still having to talk through these kind of topics. Even now, like, I thought when, I thought the success of the Football Women's World Cup in 2018 was a, big booster pad for women's sport and I thought oh actually everyone in the country bought into it so much 
I was like, okay, this is going to be a catalyst for women's sport, full stop. People are going to start seeing female athletes, what they are, the incredible athletic women. So then to, to, to have that kind mm -hmm. of interaction with someone was just so, like, I just felt, like, despondent by the end of it. But if anything, it's made me, like, more determined. And I've said it, and I'll say it again. The day I get my England cap, yeah, I'm going to send him a signed piece of every item of clothing. I'm sending him signed socks, signed shorts, my match day pants. I'm going to send everything just because I'm petty like that. So I was like, this is, this is going to drive me. If I didn't want to play for England before, I sure as hell do now. But also it's going to make me more, it's made me more passionate about being vocal because if we had never said anything or brought this to attention, people would think that, oh, we don't need to worry about women's sport because women, you know, they get treated the same as men in sport. No, 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 we don't. We just brush a lot of things under the carpet. Do you think black women are judged to a different standard than in terms of appearing feminine? I think black women are judged, their femininity is questioned a lot harder because black women don't fall into the, that, you know, the general society image of, what a pretty woman looks like, quote unquote. So I'm not light skin fair with blonde hair and blue eyes. So I don't, I'm not classically attractive, if you would say that, I guess. And so because of that, because I don't look like the perfect woman, then it sort of puts your femininity into more disrepute than, I don't even know if that's the right word that I was trying to say, but we'll roll with it. Um, it you're automatically, I guess, less female in the eyes of the media and wider society. So you're already, you're already starting from, you know, minus two points. Yeah, I was going to say the same, like, the, it's just the modern beauty standard, isn't it? Is tall, slim, white woman, you know, little perky little bum, little boobs, blonde, like, that's just the society's standards. Like, up until recently, I would say, anytime you're looking at, even when you're looking at buying clothes, it's like, oh, this lady's plus size, but she's what, like a size 12? And it's like, oh, she's got a bit of curve, but she's not actually plus size. She's just got a bit of shape, but like she's not straight like the rest. Like, you know, so it's, it's just, what, what, what is, I, you know, I blame the media for this one. It's just like, what they think should, should be feminine. What should be, your, you know, your average woman is not your average woman. Like, who are these people and where are you getting them? Because they're not from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> like where, where have you picked them up from because i don't see women like this walking down the street like i agree as well i think even recently there was um a mannequin that uh was modeling a, a nike two-piece and it was um plus size model and it was refreshing to see but it's just like why does it take so long why is it only now like you like us you know a plus size model as a mannequin wearing a, a you know a high-end um sports brand you know I just feel like there's a lot of women out there that are curvy plus size that like to play sports so they should you should have that representation in the shops um in regards to like beauty um I think we even in regards to ethnic minorities we have our own issues as well like colorism and like bleaching and stuff like that it's just so like ingrained that it runs deep it's not it's literally runs deep um like childhood growing up maybe like maybe a fairer 
cousin or fairer sister might get more attention because simply because they're fairer and it's just it's very sad because it's I feel like it links all the way back to slavery and everything like that like it's just such a deep thing um sometimes you only see the surface of it like portrayed in the media and stuff but a lot of these things are literally run deep um I just do hope that we we get to a point where we're not we're celebrating like skin color but however dark you may be however light you may be like I just feel like we need to come to a, a point where we everyone should be happy regardless of their skin color and their size and their ethnicity and whatnot but um yeah it's just it's a deep issue do you think there's space for like alternate versions of femininity we touched a bit on um like cardi b and megan the stallion and like how they're now being used by people to dismiss women being like able to be multi-dimensional people because they're hypersexualized. but it's hard for women to actually be multi-dimensional in the media without there being some sort of like pushback on it and this is why i'm absolutely obsessed with megan the stallion and cardi b especially cardi b at the moment and like she's doing loads of political stuff and then has like just released absolute anthem of the year with rap. Anthem. It, just, like, it just shows just like how amazing black women are and that's just like like what but everyone always has something to say about it i don't think there should be a blanket definition or there should be put in a box whatever is femininity to you just roll with that i think that's it like if you're representing if it's an advert for example for a certain sport use people that play that sport if it's an advert for a clothing line then i don't know whoever's wearing these clothes and might just be you know your next door neighbor Oh, Doris over there, you know, who, whoever's going to be wearing the item of clothes, get them to model that item of clothes. Whoever's going to be playing that sport, get them to model their sport. Whoever's making that food, get them to show off their food. Like, why does it have to be, oh, let's get this person in to do this person's role? Like, because that's not how life is. What do you expect from um, sports teams and sports brands going forward, like following the I Am Enough campaign? Because I think it's great. And I think it is nice that Canterbury have released a statement me being negative, I'm always just very much like, it's words, it's not actually going to do anything. I definitely expect there to be change because I think with the I Am Enough movement, we've shown that if you fuck up, we're, gonna, we're, we're really going to call you out on it. We're not just going to be like, oh, this is really sad and I wish that they didn't do this, but oh well, what can we do? We've shown how much we can do. And I think we have, it, I Am Enough is such a brilliant hashtag because it's, we, we're fed up enough. Mm. You can't, this is not just, oh, we didn't think of this. No, this is intentional. These are deliberate decisions. You are going through all this planning and making sure that these players and these players and these players and getting this set up and getting this kit ready for the men. Why on earth would you not give the same amount of respect to the women? So these, and these to me are very deliberate, conscious decisions. And I think they don't realise that we are fed up of it and that we're going to vocalise it. And I just think that what we're asking for is not out of this world crazy. We're just asking for equal representation. Do for us what you would do for the men. That's it. I remember when um, the I'm Enough campaign, like when and we were talking about it in my um, team, and we noticed on the Canterbury site, for women's rugby shorts, they only have sports for um, women. <laughs> no actual, no actual <laughs> shorts. I'm sure, I've never rugby in a sport. Because I, 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 I googled it again because I was like, no, this might have 
uh, you can't see it, but it generally says like women's rugby shorts and sports shorts, and there's only sports for women from the Canterbury website, and it's just such a it's, it's just ridiculous. It blows my mind. Um, <laughs> I just remember that. <laughs> wow. And it's just two sports, just navy or black, because you know that's and yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's oh part God. of the problem. It's such a systemic, ridiculous thing because rugby shorts are the most uncomfortable thing um, because you have to wear men's ones all the time and they just don't like stretch in the right places unless you get some from like brands specifically made for that. But um, yeah, it's a real systemic, ridiculous issue. Sorry, Zainab. I cannot believe that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just following on for what Stevie said. I totally agree. I think um, the whole world of women's rugby literally stood up and paid attention and was um, was standing in solidarity, posting pictures here and there. And I felt like it. You could feel it. You could feel the energy. And I just feel like any other brands that are looking to do a kit launch, they're gonna be like, okay, we need to make sure we get this one right because we don't want another up for. So I think moving forward, I do think they are gonna um, hopefully take heed to what's, what's, what's been happening and um, make sure they get it right. That's what I feel. I do hope, but I do feel like it's, it's just the, the whole, you know, they create, it creates such a massive wave that I feel like, now moving forward they can't they can't do that again and other brands are going to be looking do you know what we're going to have to get this right other clubs going to be looking listen we have to make sure we get it right so fingers crossed thank you guys for joining me you're all amazing i've loved this episode i'd love to thank simmy for um just repping bristol for ever even though she's not actually from there alana is but i've never heard someone talk more about bristol um <laughs> as simmy has. And for coming Bristol's because I've been there because I've been there for since I did I did my all of uni there and I've worked here so it's just my adopted hometown <laughs> I'd like to thank Alana for just being you have got a really calm presence and I just love a Bristol accent oh, so I just every time you talk I'm just I love it oh, most people don't like my accent <laughs> I love a West Country accent Zainab, thank you for sharing the fact that you're best friends with Maggie Alfonsi and I will expect <laughs> her to be on the podcast next week. Just, I'm just saying that. That's it. Okay? With like Serena to, Williams as well. Thank with you. Serena Williams, Maggie Alfonsi and Carl Sinclair as well. Because There it is. Yeah, that's the target market. Because he, he's a black girl and he rocks. He's black and he rocks, okay? <laughs> that's not the middle bit, maybe, but he's black and he rocks, okay? <laughs> Um, I'd like to thank myself for turning up on time and for mm-hmm. hosting this space. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.